0: Chapter 20. When Bertha told me Jackie was coming to visit, my thoughts bounced every which way. I was excited as I'll get out to see her. I missed her like crazy and hoped she'd been missing me too. But I had some old scrappy's anger simmering inside me. It seemed like she's was so busy being happy that she didn't have time to think about me. The day we were going to pick her up at the bus station in Asheville, I spent the morning practicing tricks with wishbone. I wanted Jackie to see how smart he was and how much he loved me. Then I tried to make my room look like a real bedroom and not a place to store canning jars. First, I pulled my bedspread way up so it covered up the Cinderella pillowcases. Then I tacked a towel over the shelves to hide those jars. I put Wishbone's toys in a shoebox and wrote his name on the side with a marker while he sat there watching me with his head cocked. Every now and then he took out a tennis ball or a dirty rubber bone, but I put it back. We want everything to look nice for Jackie, I told him. Next, I pushed Gus's old jackets and sweaters to the back of the closet and hung up some of my t-shirts so it looked like I had a whole closet of my own. Then I put a towel over Bertha's sewing machine and hung my backpack on the hook of the closet door. When I was done, I stood in the doorway and glanced around. It looked better, but I knew it wasn't anything like the room Jackie shared with Carol Lee I bet they had matching floral bedspreads with heart-shaped throw pillows and pictures of rock stars taped on their headboards. I'm sure they had a dresser with a tray of nail polish and jewelry box full of bracelets. They probably had pink and gold diaries with little keys and bags of potato chips under their bed to share at night while they talked about how happy they were. And I was sure they didn't have a single canning jar in their room. Not one. On the ride to Asheville, Bertha pointed out some things she hadn't shown me before when we went to the mall. That place there has the best boiled peanuts in North Carolina. The Blue Ridge Park Parkway is up yonder. That road there goes to Blowing Rock where the Tweetsie Railroad is. I said oh and yeah and uh-huh, but really I was thinking about Jackie. Maybe I shouldn't have fixed my room up so much. Maybe if I left it the way it was, she'd feel sorry for me and take me back to Raleigh with her. Ah, Charlie, she'd say, you can't stay here in this little old room sleeping on a baby Cinderella pillow. She'd toss her hair over her shoulder and add, This house is liable to fall right off the mountain if you sneeze too hard. You better come on back home with me. While Bertha told me about the Mile High Swinging Bridge on Grandfather Mountain, I thought about me and Wishbone at Carol Lee's house. But then I started to worry. What if Carol Lee's parents didn't like dogs? What if they didn't like me? Before I had time to stack up too many worries, we were pulling into the bus station. When we got out of the car, Bertha gave my shoulder a jiggle and said, Are you excited? Sort of, I said, but the truth was, my insides were swirling like crazy. We sat in a row of sticky vinyl seats and waited for Jackie's bus to get there. Bertha chatted with some woman We had a bunch of wild kids running around the bus station. Once, they tipped over the newspaper stand, and she didn't even say anything. Gus fell asleep about a minute after we got there, his head nodding down until his chin dropped down onto his chest and his cheeks puffed out with every breath. I sure hope he didn't call me Butterbean in front of Jackie. Finally, the man behind the ticket counter called out, Bus number 94, arriving from Raleigh. And before I knew it, Jackie was swooping toward me, tall and tan and smiling. I could practically see the happiness floating above her like a halo. The first thing she did was turn her head sideways, point to the bright blue streaks in her dark hair and say, Like it? Um, it's okay, I said. Scrappy had a hissy fit, she grinned. But you know what I say. She tossed her head so her blue streaked hair swished back over her shoulder. I say, Who cares? Because this is the new me a new me? What did that mean? What was that like a new life? Maybe Jackie had gone and found herself a new life like mama had tried to do all those years ago. A life that didn't include me. On the ride back to Colby, Jackie and Bertha jabbered away like they had been best friends forever. By the time we got home, they had every minute of every day planned out. Bertha was going to teach Jackie how to fry chicken and sew a zipper in a skirt. They were going to visit the thrift shop over in Fairview to look for a football jersey Jackie needed for a play she was in at Carolee's Church. They were going to pick squash in the garden for Jackie to take back to Rally, And Bertha was going to share her super secret recipe for squash casserole with cream of mushroom soup. On and on. Jabber, jabber. Hello, I thought. What about me? Anybody want to do something with me? Bertha must have read my mind or noticed my slumping shoulders, because when we got out of the car, she said, and I bet Charlie's dying to show you around, Colby. She knows every nook and cranny now. She winked at me, right, Charlie? I guess. And just wait until you see Wishbone, Bertha said. As soon as we got inside, Wishbone came leaping towards us, ears flapping and tail wagging, and I knelt down and let him lick my face. Ew, Jackie said. Don't let a dog tongue get in your mouth. He's just kissing me. I pressed my cheek against his nose. He loves me. Jackie made a face. And watch this, I said. I showed her how Wishbone could sit and shake and roll over. Wow, Charlie, Jackie said. I never knew you were such a good dog trainer. Well, he's pretty easy to train because he's so smart. And by the time we get back to Raleigh, I bet he'll know a lot more stuff. Jackie lifted her eyebrows and squeezed her lips together, but she didn't say anything. She strolled around the tiny living room, studying photos of old people on the table beside the couch, peeking into Bertha's yarn basket and peering into the kitchen. I love your house, she said to Bertha. Gus's granddaddy built it with his own two hands, Bertha said. Ain't that right, Gus? Gus blushed a little and nodded. Check out the back porch, Bertha said, motioning towards the kitchen. The next thing I knew, Jackie was out there raving about the view and the mountains and all. I sat on the floor in the living room with Wishbone snuggled in my lap, listening to this new Jackie and wondering what had happened to the old Jackie. The one who went to my dance recital while Mama and Scrappy stayed home and yelled at each other. The one who spent her allowance to buy me one of those friendship bracelets the other girls had at school. The one who made me cupcakes to take to school on my birthday while Mama watched soap operas in her bathroom. That Jackie was gone. And in her place was this new Jackie with blue streaks in her hair out on the porch telling Bertha how much she loved the Blue Ridge Mountains. And then this new Jackie went and said something the old Jackie never would have said. Charlie is so lucky to be here with y'all. Lucky? She thinks I'm lucky? I got yanked out of the only place I'd ever known my whole life and sent off to live with people I'd never laid eyes on before? Lucky? Lucky my family was all broken up and scattered every which way. Then Bertha said, No, me and Gus are the lucky ones, right, Gus? Right, Gus said. When they came back in from the porch, Bertha said, Charlie, why don't you take Jackie back to your room so she can put away her things? I led Jackie to that tiny room and waited for her to say what I'd been imagining she'd say, like how awful it was. Even though I fixed it up, she said it was way too small. She'd peek behind that tacked up towel to see those canning jars, and then she'd say, I better go back to rally with her. But no, this new Jackie said, I love this room, Charlie. Can you believe you've got a room all to yourself and you don't have to share anymore like we did back home? Well, didn't that beat all? I liked sharing a room back home, I said, making my voice sound pitiful. I was going to show her Gus's clothes jammed in my closet. But she flopped onto the bed and said, well, yeah, but it's nice to have a room that's just yours. Nobody leaving their dirty sacks on the floor or taking up all the space on the dresser. She kicked her sandals off and leaned against the wall. Don't get me wrong. I like Carolee and all, but sometimes I wish I could be by myself. Not have her snooping through my stuff or using my makeup without even asking. She tossed her hair over her shoulder and said, I just love Gus and Bertha, don't you? Now, I have to say that question caught me off guard, and I surprised myself when I didn't hesitate one little bit and said I do. Did I love Gus and Bertha? I had never really even thought about it before, but maybe I did. But then everybody loves Gus and Bertha because that's the kind of people they are. And you've got yourself a dog, Charlie, she said, rubbing her bare foot along Wishbone's back. It seems like everything's turned out so good for you. Your very own room, your very own dog, living with two nice people who don't cuss and holler at each other every minute of the day. Then she jumped off the bed and said, Show me the garden! That night, Bertha made grilled cheese sandwiches and potato salad for supper, and then we sat out on the porch under the orange-streaked sky with gray-blue clouds. The smell of rain mingled with the sweet scent of honeysuckle and crickets chirped in the huckleberry bushes along the edge of the woods. Bertha and Jackie talked about boys, And if I didn't know better, it would have been hard to tell which one of them was the teenager and which one was a grown-up woman. Bertha told Jackie about the first time she ever met Gus when he fixed a flat tire on her daddy's car out on Highway 14. I'd never laid eyes on such a handsome boy in my life, she said. My friend Jamie flirted her head off with him, but I knew I was the one he had eyes for, right, Gus? She poked Gus, and he nodded while he chewed on his toothpick. Later, me and Jackie went back to my room and played Crazy Eights while she told me about some boy she'd been dating named Scooter. He was the paintball champion of Wake County and had a cousin in the Marines he wanted to fix up with Carol Lee. Jackie had brought nail polish with her, so we painted our fingernails and told some, the same jokes we told about a million times before. What do you call a cow that eats your grass, Jackie said. A lawn mower." I said. What do frogs order in restaurants? French flies! We laughed like those were the funniest jokes in the world. For the first time since she showed me her Blue streaked hair at the bus station, she seemed like the old Jackie, and I realized how much I'd been missing her. After we turned out the lights, she fell asleep in no time flat. Her soft snoring drifted through the air, reminding me of all those nights we shared in our room back home. I thought about how we'd laid there in the dark and listened to Mama and Scrappy fussing and fighting, And while when I was little, sometimes I'd crawl into bed with Jackie and she would sing right into my ear so I couldn't hear the mean words they hurled at each other. Now we were sleeping in the same room together again. Jackie in my bed and me in a sleeping bag on the floor with wishbone. Except this time, the only sounds I heard were Jackie's soft snoring and the bullfrogs down in the woods. And then I thought about Jackie's raving about this house and that the porch in my very own room. In my head, I could still hear her saying how she just loved Gus and Bertha and telling me how everything's turned out so good for me. But then I thought, what's so good about being tossed out of my own house and riding the bus with those giggly kids and feeling for all the world like a stray dog with no place to call home? I hugged Wishbone closer and kissed his nose. while my thoughts bounced around so much they finally wore me out and I fell asleep. Chapter 21. I spent the next few days watching Jackie flit around Colby like she'd lived there her whole life. She talked about high school football with the mailman and took cold fried chicken to Bertha's Knitting Club. She set up a vegetable stand at the end of the driveway and chatted with everybody who stopped by to buy beans and squash, telling them about Raleigh and her waitress job and her new driver's license. And at the thrift shop in Fairview, as I watched her laughing with the owner about a big ugly hat somebody brought in, I felt like I was seeing her for the first time. Maybe this was the new Jackie. How come I had never noticed how much everybody loved her? Even Bertha's cats couldn't get enough of her, rubbing their heads against her legs and purring in her lap. Every one of the Odom boys was red-faced and tongue-tied around her, falling all over each other to open the car door for her or bring her cold lemonade every time we went over there. can't believe you know how to rebuild an engine, she said to Burl the first day we visited him. And the next thing you know, she's out there in the driveway squinting down at a carburetor or something like that. It was the most fascinating thing she'd ever seen. Every now and then, she flipped her hair over her shoulder, and I thought Burrow was going to melt into a puddle right there in the gravel driveway. Mrs. Odom brought powdered sugar donuts out on the porch, and we sat around and listened to Jackie tell Waffle House stories. And one time, she said, this old lady came in a limo, driven by a chauffeur. She brushed powdered sugar off her lap. Can you imagine going to the Waffle House? In a chauffeur-driven limo. Everybody agreed that they couldn't imagine that. But she left me a $20 tip and a $4 waffle for a $4 waffle. So I'm not complaining, Jackie said. Howard and Dwight bugged their eyes out and said, wow. She told us how she and the other waitresses called it the awful house. And those boys all hooted and hollered like that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. Then she told everybody about Raleigh. How big it is, and all the malls and tanning salons, and even an indoor miniature golf course. Y'all should come for a visit, she said. I have my driver's license, and Kara Lee has a car. They grinned and nodded and said how much they'd like to go to Raleigh, and I felt jealousy poking at me so hard it made me squirm as I sat there on the porch steps. Late that afternoon, me and Howard took Jackie down to the creek with Wishbone, and she didn't waste a minute taking off her shoes and wading into the cold mountain water, her laughter echoing through the trees. She answered all Howard's nosy questions without a single eye roll and acted like she hung out with up-down boys every day of her life. What's it like when you visit your daddy in jail, he said. I liked died when he asked that, but Jackie wasn't a bit bothered. Not as cool as it looks on TV, I can tell you that, she said. We just sit at a table and talk about school and stuff. He tells me how bad the food is there and how the first things he's going to do when he gets out is eat about 14 hamburgers. I wanted to ask her if they ever talked about me, but I was scared the answer would be no, and I would look like a loser in front of Howard. I started to remind him that Scrappy is in a correctional facility, not jail, but he and Jackie had already moved on to talking about the Bible detective game at Sunday school. "'I bet Charlie's terrible at that game,' she said, giving me a poke. "'Reading the Bible was not exactly a popular activity at our house, right, Charlie?' She poked me again. "'That night, Mrs. Odom invited me and Jackie to have supper with them.' Berlin Linney brought aluminum lawn chairs in from the front yard for us and nearly knocked each other over trying to sit next to Jackie. She helped Mrs. Odom put out plates of ham and bowls of saw and baked beans on the table and didn't even blink an eye when everyone held hands and Dwight said the blessing and thanked the Lord for baked beans and new friends. I swear, I felt invisible while everybody jibber-jabbered at that table. Jackie told them about being a majorette in 10th grade and marching in the Memorial Day parade in the rain. Talk about a bad hair day, she said, and everyone laughed. Then she asked Mr. Odom about his job driving a lumber truck. When he described driving from Colby to Charlotte to Greenville and everywhere in between, she said, it must be so fun to go to all those different places. Then she went on to tell him about her friend Loretta, who worked the night shift at the truck stop on the Interstate. And boy, oh boy, did she have some stories to tell about some of those truckers. Mr. Odom blushed a little at that, and Mrs. Odom jumped in real quick to tell us about Howard being the Bible detective champion at church. No way, Jackie said. He didn't tell me that. And then it was Howard's turn to blush. Wishbone laid on the floor next to Cotton because he knew there would be food down there before long. Sure enough, he gobbled up a couple pieces of ham and some cornbread crumbs, and Jackie said, Wishbone, stop that. But Mrs. Odom said, That's okay. Shoot, it helps me keep the floor clean. Jackie laughed her sparkly laugh, and in that very minute, I wanted to be her. I wanted her easy way of making people love her. I wanted her knack for seeing the good in things. I even wanted her shiny black hair with blue streaks. But no matter how bad I wanted it, I was still going to be just plain old me. Chapter 22 That Sunday, we piled into Gus's car and headed down the mountain to church. Jackie had French braided my hair like she used to back in Raleigh, and Bertha made a fuss over it. I just love Charlie's hair like that, she said. Jackie, you should get a job in a beauty parlor. You have a real talent. Jackie thwacked her forehead and said she couldn't believe she'd never thought of that before. I might look into that when I get home, she said. So then Bertha told us a story about her friend Denise who flunked out of beauty school. Just flunked right out after three weeks and ended up marrying some rich guy. But not two months later, she ran off to Atlanta with that rich guy's brother. Jackie loved Bertha's stories and always laughed or said, no way or I can't believe that while me and Gus just sat there in silence, pretending to be interested. After church, Jackie snatched cookies off the food table in the fellowship hall and then went to hang out with the teenagers in the parking lot like she'd known them her whole life. How had Jackie and I turned out so different? I was sure she never worried one little bit whether or, anybody, whether or not anybody liked her, but then, of course, everybody did like her, so what was there to worry about? That afternoon, the Odoms came over to Gus and Bertha's for dinner. Bertha always made a big deal out of Sunday dinner, but with the Odoms coming, it was a regular feast. Jackie and I helped her set some card tables out in the yard. We pushed them together and then put a sheet over them for a tablecloth, and Jackie set out mason jars filled with wildfire flowers. Looks like the Queen of England is coming for dinner, Gus said. Bertha bustled around the kitchen, and before long the house was filled with all kinds of good smells, and the countertops were covered with bowls of black-eyed peas and turnip greens, squash casseroles. And sliced tomatoes, fried okra and succotash, biscuits and gravy, brownies and peach cobbler. Then she took a big roast chicken out of the oven and said, There, now if I can keep the cats out of here, we're all set. Of course, Wishbone sat by the kitchen door with his nose twitching in the air and his tail wagging a mile a minute. Not yet, boy, I told him, maybe later. Then we heard Burl's truck on the gravel driveway and me and Wishbone ran out to greet the Odoms. All those redheaded boys spilled out of the back of that truck, and the front yard, that was usually so quiet except for the birds on the fence post or the sputter of the sprinkler in the garden, turned into a flurry of commotion. Dwight and Lenny running and punching and climbing on the fence, Cotton chasing after the cats, Mrs. Odom hurrying inside to help Bertha with the food, Mr. Odom and Gus out in lawn chairs talking about NASCAR race over in Charlotte last weekend, Howard and me tossing a tennis ball for Wishbone to catch. Then, Jackie came outside looking like Miss America, and I thought Burl was going to faint right there in the red dirt. Everybody else had changed out of their church clothes, except Jackie. When she came strutting across the yard in her white sundress and bare feet, I don't think I'd ever seen her look so pretty. I still had that French braid in my hair, too, so maybe I looked pretty, too, even in my shorts and ratty t-shirt. I hope so, but I knew I could never look as pretty as Jackie. Before long, Bertha told everybody to go inside and load up their plates, and those boys, like, to liked busted the door racing down to the kitchen. Then we sat at the card tables in the yard and held hands while Mr. Odom said the blessing. Gus, Gus and Bertha weren't the blessing type, but I guess they did it to be nice to their company. Mr. Odom sure had a lot of stuff to be thankful for, everything from this beautiful day to those turnip greens, and then he said, and thank you for sending these two fine ladies to shine their lights on us here in Colby. I knew I was supposed to have my eyes closed, but I took a peek and there was Jackie grinning and winking at me. As soon as we all said a loud amen, everybody dove into their food like there was no tomorrow. Mrs. Odom and Bertha kept running back to the kitchen to bring out more tomatoes or succotash, while Jackie poured sweet tea and Gus shooed cats away. Wishbone sat by Cotton, hoping he'd drop a chicken leg. By the time Bertha brought out dessert, everybody was rubbing their stomachs and saying how they could. They couldn't eat another bite except, well, maybe just a little bit of that peach cobbler. Cotton leaned across the table to grab a brownie and said, Hey, look, the wishbone. Sure enough, right there on that greasy platter was the chicken wishbone. Of course, my dog, Wishbone, heard his name and ran over to Cotton, probably thinking he was about to get something good to eat. Who wants to pull the wishbone with me, Cotton said. Dwight jumped up. Me, he said. No, I hollered, pushing past Dwight out of the way. It has to be me. Cotton held the bone behind his back when Dwight tried to grab it. I called it first, Charlie, Dwight said. I stamped my foot. No, it's mine! I could feel anger flooding over me, and it was all I could do to keep myself from shoving Dwight. Then Howard hurried over and whispered pineapple in my ear, just as I was stamping my foot again. Jackie shook my shoulder and snapped. Good grief, Charlie. Quit making such a fuss over a silly old bone. But Howard piped up and said, Come on, Dwight, let Charlie pull the wishbone. Uh-oh, was Howard going to tell everybody about me making a wish every day? I hadn't told him not to tell anybody, and now I bet he was, and everybody was going to think I was crazy. But he didn't. He told Dwight he'd give him some of his Bible books if he let me pull the wishbone with cotton. How many, Dwight asked. Three. Make it five. Okay. So Dwight ran off to grab another brownie, and cotton held the wishbone, held the wishbone out to me. We each a aside and closed our eyes. I made my wish and then I pulled. Snap! That bone broke in two, and guess what? I got the big side, the side that's supposed to make your wish come true. Dang it, Cotton said, tossing his piece of bone onto the table. Before I had a chance to thank Howard for helping me like that, Mr. Odom announced it was time for them to go and they piled back into Burl's truck. I knew I should have joined Jackie and helped Bertha clean up the kitchen but instead I sat out in the yard with my arm around wishbone and watched that truck bounce up the gravel driveway loaded with all those good-hearted Odoms. When they turned onto the road, I hollered, thank you. I figured Howard probably wouldn't hear me, but then I saw him give me a thumbs up before the truck disappeared from sight. Chapter 23. On Jackie's last day in Colby. She and Bertha sat together at the sewing machine in my room and talked about boys and clothes and movie stars while they worked on a zipper. I took Wishbone out in the yard and pulled weeds from between the marigolds beside the garden shed while he slept in the sun. I hated thinking about Jackie getting onto that bus to rally and going back to her happy life, painting her fingernails with Cara Lee, dating Scooter the paintball champion, maybe even going to beauty school. Each yank of a weed was like a jab in my heart as I thought about her leaving me behind. By the time Jackie and Bertha finished that zipper, there wasn't a single weed left in that yard. And my heart ached so bad, I wanted to cry. Later that day, me and Jackie and Wishbone went down to the Odoms so Jackie could say goodbye. The boys sat on the steps, looking like they were going to a funeral. Y'all better come visit me and rally, Jackie said. She threw out her arms wide. Everybody, will have us the best time ever. They nodded solemnly and Cotton swiped at his tears. If I'm still working at that old waffle house, y'all come by and I'll throw in a couple of chocolate chip waffles for free. Cotton perked up. Chocolate chip waffles? Jackie nodded. Yep, and I'll make sure they put extra chips in yours, okay? He grinned. I bet Charlie's gonna miss you, Howard said. Jackie put her arm around my shoulder. Well, I'm gonna miss her too, But she can come and visit. Visit, I said? I'll be going back there to live. I rubbed my hand on Wishbone's back. You know, when Mama gets her feet on the ground, I added. Jackie looked down at her lap. Wishbone's tail switched back and forth in that dry red dirt. Well then, Jackie said. I reckon it's time for me to get my hugs in. She held her arms out. Each of those boys gave her a quick, awkward hug. Then Mrs. Odom ran out of the house and said, It was a joy and blessing having you here in Colby, Jackie. Then she and Jackie hugged and we headed back home. That night, Bertha made a special supper of meatloaf and lima beans, fried green tomatoes and sweet potato pie. Wishbone laid beside my chair waiting for somebody to toss him a piece of meatloaf every now and then. I'd have to admit that we spoiled him rotten and turned him into a world-class beggar. After we sat out on the porch for a while, me and Jackie went back to my room. I brushed Wishbone while Jackie packed, stuffing her shorts and things into her duffel bag and telling me again how lucky I was to have such a nice place to live. I watched her gather her nail polish and toss it into the duffel bag, and I started to feel more pitiful by the minute. What's going to happen to me, I wanted to ask her, but I didn't. After we turned the lights out, I stared up at the ceiling, watching the shadows of the dogwood tree dance in the moonlight. Then I took a deep breath and said, can I go back to rally with you? The silence that followed nearly swallowed me up. I could feel my heart beating in my chest and wishbones warm breath against my cheek. Then Jackie got out of bed and sat beside me in my sleeping bag. Nothing's going to change, Charlie, she said. I used to think it would, but I don't now. Scrappy is going to keep being scrappy, and Mama is going to keep being Mama, and you and I are on our own. No magic wand is going to fix things. I didn't want to believe that, so I pushed those words away so I wouldn't have to think about them. Then I said, did you know Mama left us when we were little? Just ran off with a garbage bag full of clothes to start a new life? Jackie heaved a big sigh. Yes, I did know that. How'd you know? When you're seven years old and your Mama waltzes out the door without so much as a goodbye? Well, that's something you don't forget. How come you never told me, I said put her hand on my back and rubbed it in little circles. "'Cause I didn't want you to hate Mama,' she said. "'Do you hate Mama?' "'Nah,' she pushed my hair behind my ear. "'I don't like her very much, but I don't hate her.' "'But why can't I live with you?' I asked, so quiet it was almost a whisper. Jackie hugged her knees. "'Charlie, I can't live with Carol Lee forever. "'I'm saving my money, and me and Wiley and Jarvis "'are getting an apartment together?' I can't take care of you like Gus and Bertha can, she said. Shoot, I can barely take care of myself. We sat in silence for a minute, and then Jackie said, You got a good life here, Charlie. You got Gus and Bertha loving you and treating you like a princess. You got all them Odoms thanking the good Lord for you. Then there's Howard, the nicest friend you could ever want. You got these beautiful mountains and a garden and a porch to sit on that's like sitting on the side of heaven. Wishbone kicked his legs out and let out a little woof like he was having a doggy dream. Jackie rubbed his stomach. And that dog loves you like nobody's business. I looked at Wishbone and thought about Bertha saying how dogs love you no matter what. And my heart nearly burst. Don't hate me, Charlie, Jackie said. Hate her? I loved everything about her. I love the old Jackie and the new Jackie. Why couldn't I tell her that? I guess I hadn't much had much practice saying i love you so i just sat there in the darkness darkness with wishbone twitching in his sleep beside me and said i do like those blue streaks in your hair